We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a beat poet. Name. Name your. Name your price. Ah, a tool, an idea, an inspiration. To do more than just say what you want to pay. Oh, no. But to see the options that could fit your budget. Steve. Steve, enough bongos. Find car insurance that fits your budget at Progressive.com. Makes me want to dance. Steve! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, August 19th. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always by Mike Doria. Mike is the head NFL editor for the website. How are you doing this evening, Mike? Pretty good. And uh, for all the uh, listeners out there, I'd like to add that uh, there's a fathead of Greg Jennings in the office, so we're actually... Uh, we're we're actually joined by him as well. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're, we actually repositioned the Greg Jennings fathead, which we got about a month or two ago in the radio room. Now, 
there was some controversy over what happened to that. I think we came in one day, the the fat head was on the wall. The next day, it was draped he, across was, someone's chair. That was a more of a crumpled up ball situation. But I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a disgruntled Packer fan motivation there. But uh, I think it's the only reason I mentioned it is like where I'm sitting, it really does look like you and I are doing the podcast and Greg Jennings is running directly at us with the football in a Green Bay Packers jersey. Right, and you mentioned he is in a Packers uniform, so this is probably pre-2011 Greg Jennings, so a little yeah. bit a little bit scarier than the Greg Jennings that we've seen for the last couple of years. Exactly, and he is going to come up later on when we talk about Devontae Parker, but uh, anyway, I, I took us off, off the tracks there a little bit. Let's get back on. All right, yeah, we got our requisite Greg Jennings talking in the first two minutes. Just a reminder, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast and all of our Rotowire podcasts are available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. So if you are listening on either of those platforms, please be sure to give us a nice review. We'll get right into the big news of the day. Um, unfortunately, it's not good news for almost anyone. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, it, there's really no good news surrounding a serious injury. Of course, that injury is to Kelvin Benjamin, a torn ACL. Um, that happened this morning. It looked like a non-contact yep. injury at practice. Um, you know, it's kind of something right away that we, we were watching it in the office on TV this morning and... Yeah, I don't think anybody thinks too optimistically when you see a guy go down in a non-contact situation. Well, yeah, that, that the non-contact thing automatically triggers the it's bad uh, response. Um, but it had a, a typical news flow kind of situation as it looked bad at first, and then Coach Ron Rivera came out with a, oh, it's just a sprain, He's got he has an MRI, but... I saw that in written form, and that it made me feel like, oh, maybe it's not that major. But then, then they showed a, a clip of Rivera, kind of saying the same thing, and I could just, I could see that he was pretty concerned, and, and, and therefore it was not very surprising. Toward the end of the day, when the initial uh, fears of serious injury were confirmed, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's it's, it's a terrible uh, blow to the uh, the Panthers' offense. Uh, the fantasy value of Cam Newton takes a hit. Uh, it is, however, going to affect the value of some of the other players in that offense, and that's something that we should talk about. Um, I mean, right off the top of my head, it's it's Devin Funches, the uh, the rookie receiver. What do, what do you think about him, uh, Nick, this year? I was a big fan of Funches at Michigan, kind of a guy who no one really knew what position he would end up at at the NFL level. Um, you know, kind of almost playing tight end in a wide receiver's body, and you know, I think that's a position that you kind of want you know I don't know if he's he's definitely not going to you know come in and be Jimmy Graham right away but you know kind of that versatile guy you can split out if you need to he's athletic enough to go up and get jump balls he's 6-5 um a little undersized at 220 to be to be a full-time tight end so obviously I think they're looking at him as more of a receiver but yeah I think is he looked at as maybe a number one guy all of a sudden I mean this might Whoa. be the weakest receiving core <laughs> in in the league and then all of a sudden you lose a guy who accounted for you know almost half your production last year over a thousand yards nine touchdowns as a rookie so I don't think you can really emphasize how big of a blow yeah. this is to the Panthers I mean you look you looked at the uh, the Panthers uh, passing offense on paper you know before today and it was Newton a healthier Newton you had Kelvin Benjamin in his second year I mean you as you mentioned he um, caught 73 passes for a thousand and eight yards last year nine touchdowns um, 146 targets I looked that up it's, that was six in the league so that's uh that's a big number to replace. And uh, Funchess, I thought, was, was going to be a nice complimentary option. Another big, tall target, uh, athletic, and, you know, throw in Greg Olson at tight end. 
um, a couple of the slot guys like uh, Ted Ginn and uh, Philly Brown. And it, it, it wasn't like a awesome wide-out core, but I, I did see some upside in that arrangement. But now you take the top, top guy away, I don't really think Funchess is the is ready for that uh, assignment. But w- then when you look down and you see who, who else they have, uh, it, it's a little bit scary. You're, you're looking at uh, um, Ted Ginn, Jericho Cotri, Philly Brown, Brent, Brenton Burson, and it's, I mean, those guys are kind of role players, and they're either going to have to identify one of those guys uh, as a capable starter, or, or, or more likely they're going to, like, you know, scour the uh, free agent wire, um, which includes guys like uh, Reggie Wayne, Wes Welker, Santonio Holmes, uh, Santana Moss, uh, Robert Meacham, uh, you know, just to name a few. I mean, the the one that instantly came to my head, if if he's healthy, that is, is uh, Reggie Wayne. Um, I mean, no one can really expect vintage Reggie Wayne at this stage, but you know, he's a he's a the kind of player that can still get open. I mean, he never completely relied on his speed as a Colt, so. Uh, there's that, but yeah, it's 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 a big blow uh, to their passing offense. Probably will lead to more carries for Jonathan Stewart if he stays healthy. So there's a little bit of a he gets a boost. Maybe Greg Olson gets a bit of a boost, and and Funches, well, just because somebody has to catch the passes, he gets a boost. Right, and you mentioned him as more of a complimentary piece, and I think that's ideally what you want out of a second rounder in, in his first year in the NFL. And obviously, they are expecting him to produce, taking him that high in the draft, but. I don't think they expected him to have to come in and try to replicate what Benjamin did last year. And, you know, it's kind of a shame, um, you know, for for both the Panthers and for Funches. You know, maybe this will help his development. But at the same time, I think coming in as a rookie receiver, I think it can help to have a guy like Benjamin across the field to, you know, number one, occupy the other team's top D-backs, and number two, just to learn from. And, And, you know, I'm sure Benjamin will still be around the team and he'll still be able to serve in that mentor role. But this is a really tough blow for Carolina. And I think, yeah, it just opens the NFC South up even wider after a year that we saw some historically bad play from all four teams. I mean, we could end up seeing the same thing again now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that were expecting modest numbers from Funchess, and now I'm not going to say that he's going to be like Anquan Bolden or Marcus Colston in their first year as as a rookie wideout, but it's it's interesting, uh, you know, he, he's definitely going to move up the draft boards. I, I was in a draft on Monday. We're going to get into that a little, a little bit later, but I'll mention uh, later on where he was picked in relation to Benjamin, and, and we can discuss at that time um, how that might change. Another wide receiver injury to discuss today, Andre Holmes broke his hand at practice. This was back on Sunday, but the Raiders finally announcing that news. He's only expected to miss three to four weeks, so obviously not nearly as severe of a situation as the Benjamin injury, but Still a little bit of a blow to this Raiders receiving core as they attempt to continue to build uh, some rapport with David Carr throughout the preseason, and now Holmes really won't be a part of that. His availability is kind of in question now for weeks one and two at least. Um, Are you too worried about this injury? I mean, it's not a a major injury in terms of uh, fantasy, but it definitely hurts their depth. I mean, at at this stage, it's it's widely assumed that Amari Cooper is going to be the focal point of uh, that wideout core. Michael Crabtree's looked decent enough to uh, to be considered virtually a lock to be the uh, the other starter. Uh, fortunately for the uh, Raiders, Rod Rod Streeter, who had been dealing with a uh, some f- sort of illness uh, earlier in training camp, was able to return to practice uh, this over the last few days. And now it looks like he's locked in as a number three guy. Holmes might have challenged him for that role. Um, the other players that could 
potentially push Streeter, like Kembrell, Tompkins, Bryce Butler. But uh, I think it solidifies Streeter as the number three guy. It's um, it's not an exciting wideout core, but if they all stay healthy, it, it looks at least capable, especially when it's led by a dynamic young talent like Cooper. So although the Holmes news isn't big in its, you know, at on its own, um, it does uh, allow us to talk about the Raiders' wideout core, and, and I'm very excited about Amari Cooper, his prospects as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are, both from a fantasy perspective and a real football perspective. Um, the Buffalo Bills can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Um, LaShawn McCoy underwent an MRI. His hamstring is fully intact, no separation from the bone there. Um, that that just sounds really painful, a hamstring or any really muscle separating from the bone well, but you, you had rex ryan t- d- describing the injury and uh i guess he you know he the good news is it's not separated from the bone uh i mean typically yeah if if, if, if that sort of injury just sounds multi-week and uh, at this stage it looks like mccoy however you want to phrase it strained it pulled it it's it's one of those injuries that's more more of a day-to-day thing and if it was the regular season they might be able to push him into action rather quickly. Uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he sees little or no action uh, as the uh, preseason you know slate continues. But what's worse for the Bills is that pretty much every other running back on their roster that anyone's heard of uh, is also hurt, um, and some that people haven't heard of. Yeah, that's Booby true. Dixon, for example. Oh, he's well known, well known <laughs> as a, as a sleeper, but in uh, Bills circles. I mean, Fred Jackson dealing with his, an injury of his own. Uh, there's Dixon, uh, Bryce Brown, and then Carlos Williams, the rookie, was, uh, was starting to generate some sleeper buzz there, and he ends up having to go, undergo a, a procedure that's going to keep him out a couple weeks prob- or more, and uh, <laughs> we're looking at a, a, a you know, their, their next preseason game, I believe, is Thursday, and the, the players that they have available right now in the, uh, the healthy category, Bronson Hill, Un, uh, an undrafted rookie another one uh in uh, ricky seal and then they signed sierra wood today it's uh it's not a pretty situation but i do i do believe that they're, they're going to get mccoy back but really the uh important thing that's going to play out here is the health of his backups because at some point we're going to have to determine who the number two guy is because mccoy is obviously a, a first or second round running back in most formats and uh it's great to identify that player's backup and right now there's it's not super clear who that's going to be I mean I, I do feel that Fred Jackson would get the benefit of the doubt if he uh, reestablishes his health but uh, there was some nice buzz about Williams so it's definitely a situation to keep an eye out for um, in the beginning of the season and uh, those guys are going to be uh, you know nice targets on the uh, FAAB wire uh, once the number two guy is established are you worried about McCoy maybe re-aggravating this hamstring injury something that's maybe among the most uh common injuries to re-aggravate especially for a running back I mean he's a guy that's been about as durable as any back in the yeah, league since I, coming I was in looking in at his uh, injury history and um missed four games in 2012 with a concussion and then uh in a start in 2009 and then in 2010 I believe uh he sat out the uh, Eagles last game uh because it was a meaningless game and then uh in 2011 he missed a game with an ankle injury so he doesn't really have an He's not that, like, Darren McFadden, always dealing with a hamstring injury, missing games here and there with uh, soft tissue injuries and that kind of thing. So at, at this stage, it's not super concerning, but as long as they don't rush him back, because that is obviously the 
the danger with an injury like a hamstring or a groin pull if uh, uh, it you know the players rush back too soon there is more potential for for aggravation there but he he at least doesn't have that like enormous track record of missing games for minor aches and pains more good news among rookie receivers Devonte parker will be eligible to participate in practice on a limited basis yeah they, they took him off the pup list now that doesn't mean that he's out and you know ready to go full speed by any means it just means that he's eligible to participate in practice um i don't think he's going to right away it's more he's just going to be able to do more things with the team you know the, the low impact walkthrough type stuff but uh, he's not quite ready to like go full speed so at this stage it's there there is some concern as to whether or not he will actually be available for the opener the Dolphins continue to maintain that that'll be the case but I don't think they're necessarily going to uh, rush him back because they have Jarvis Landry Kenny Stills and the guy that still looks like he's running toward us um, in the on the fathead there Greg Jennings um so I, I do think that uh, Devontae Parker is going to be a nice pickup or at least a nice lineup option maybe by about week six. But um, I, I wouldn't really want to use them too early. They, they do have that capable uh, trio of wideouts now that Stills has returned to practice. And uh, I, I, I'm still pretty high on Jarvis Landry. I do think he's going to get a lot of targets in that offense, which is helmed by the, uh, the underrated Ryan Tannehill. Um, but, yeah, um, Jennings is the player that, you know, we'll see some looks out of the slot, but you're not going to get the uh, the vintage Jennings production, and uh, Stills is the wild card. Yeah, I think this is maybe one of the more underrated receiving cores in the league. Um, you know, not a lot of people would probably point to the Dolphins as you know one of the teams with with strength at the position. But like you said, Jarvis Landry, a very underrated season last year: 84 catches, 758 yards. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kenny Stills comes over from New Orleans: 63 catches from him. Yeah, that, was a, that was an odd trade, but it, was. Uh, it, it seems to work out in the in the Dolphins' favor there. I mean, they 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 essentially just started from scratch. I mean, they got they got rid of Wallace, uh, Brian Hartline, Brandon Gimson. So you know this uh, this quartet, um, or you know, and obviously Landry's a returnee, but other than him, they just two, three, and four, all new guys. Yeah, I, th- I think this is probably the best group of targets that Ryan Tannehill's had. And, you know, like you said, we might not even get to see what Devontae Parker has to offer until he's really at full speed, maybe midway through the first half of the season. So once he gets back, I think this can become maybe one of the more dangerous receiving cores in the AFC. I mean, at least he's in better better shape than Kevin White, um, which is another unfortunate injury there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper stands alone as the the healthy, young, first-round wideout that, that's uh, ready to go. Uh, another team that's dealing with a couple injuries uh, at the running back position, Atlanta, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman both missed last week's preseason game against Tennessee with hamstring injuries. Um, the team doesn't seem really too concerned about either injury, but there's a chance both might end up missing the second yeah, preseason game. They, they, they just both came back on Monday, and I was thinking that this is going to be the sort of running back battle that was going to play out in the in the training room more than anything else. But when they both came back on the same day, albeit in a more or less limited fashion. Um, you know, it, it was a good sign that it, they're, they're going to be able to, like, you know, engage in this competition on the field. Uh, I mean, right now, Freeman has a, an advantage in terms of experience, but uh, I do like Coleman as an upside play. Therefore, it's a thoroughly confusing situation for fantasy owners. Where, where do you draft these guys? Who, who is going to win the job? My feeling is, is that, that uh, Freeman is going to, assume a larger share of what's probably going to be a timeshare out of the gate before 
Coleman, you know, takes it over uh, a little, or at least this balance shifts more in his uh, direction as the season goes along. But it'll probably be kind of a 60-40 type deal, and Anton Smith is in the in the mix as well as as, as a random big play guy. But uh, that is just a confusing uh, running back situation from a fantasy perspective. And not that I was, like, hoping that one guy would be more injured than the other, but in in a sense it would have been easier for fantasy uh, folks to to know, well, this guy's healthy and this guy's not. So it would have been a much more clear-cut decision. Now it's a, a big coin flip. Another backfield that's uh, a little bit hard to figure out as well is Arizona. Andre yeah. Ellington is probably the clear number one guy there. I don't think there's much debate. But beyond that, things are a little bit dicey with Chris Johnson now joining the mix. Well, I mean, part of, part of the whole motivation for signing Chris Johnson was that David Johnson, the rookie that you know a few weeks ago myself and maybe some other folks on this podcast might have been a little bit more uh, excited about uh, his his 2015 prospects well he he was missing uh, time with an injury he finally came back coincidentally the day they signed Johnson so I, I actually think Johnson is more just a bit of a lottery ticket a depth guy uh, I don't really think that they've unearthed the uh, the 2009 version of Chris Chris Johnson but Ellington has a, a an extensive uh, injury history of his own and if Johnson can prove that he has some speed I mean he's never going to match his 4-2-4 of the, of the golden years but uh, you know if he he does have experience and you know if they can get him some blocks he can uh, he can run through the holes he's not necessarily the kind of guy that's going to like make something out of nothing but uh, it's interesting if I think if Ellington goes down um, he would probably get first crack, crack at the carries um, I mean Johnson he still has a lot to prove. Could be a mid-season value guy, but right now, um, you know, adding the veteran to the mix uh, slightly suppresses Ellington's value a little bit. But I don't really think he's he's bound to take take over for Ellington at all. No, no, I don't think that's in the cards at all. And you know, a guy like Chris Johnson is now coming up on six years removed from his two thousand yard season, and you know, and it he still seems can- like such a clear and 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 you know distinct memory that it he, does he was the speedster right and thousand yards really yeah exactly but i mean he did have four straight thousand yard seasons after that so it's not like he completely fell off yeah, and, i think last year was his first sub thousand mm-hmm. yard year and, of his uh, entire career yeah and uh he really i mean was essentially in a in a timeshare that leaned towards chris ivory with with Bilal powell in the mix um he wasn't terrible but uh he certainly wasn't the chris johnson of old no, no, and I think he still carries that name, though. You know, obviously he still goes by CJ2K. Um, you hear you hear him refer to that all the time. He's still only 29, but you know, anytime a player like him signs a contract, be it with Arizona, be it with any team, yeah, you know, it's going to be in the news just because of that yeah. name. Even if even if his biggest accomplishment was six, seven years ago, you know, it's still going to be in the news. Well, so I, mean, I think it's a little telling that a team like Dallas didn't even really seriously kick the tires on him. I, I mean, mm-hmm. they they. They keep on saying they're comfortable with Randall, McFadden, and Dunbar, but I think everyone in the fantasy world was like, hey, you lost DeMarco Murray, and Chris Johnson's a free agent. Obviously, you should sign him. So with when te- there were some teams out there that with uh, definite needs at running back, and it was rather surprising that he didn't get gobbled up uh, quicker. I mean, Houston, you know, why not? You would think. I, I mean, is, does Chris Johnson still carry kind of the character issues that plagued him a little bit during his time in Tennessee? 
I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure that's the, the the main concern at the moment. I think the main concern is is what does he have left uh, in terms of speed, explosiveness, and effectiveness as a running back. Um, obviously, um, a lot of teams out there seem to have moved on. If you're out for the evening and you've been drinking, get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs the loss of your license, and much more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, I want to get into a little bit more of today's news, just some quick hits. We won't spend quite as much time on these as we did with some of the bigger news items. Um, The first of those items is Victor Cruz did not practice Wednesday, not related to his recovery from knee surgery, however, so that is a plus. Um... Cruz is dealing with a minor calf issue, which Tom Coughlin said he thinks might be dehydration related. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, like the most recent Victor Cruz nugget before that was him declaring that he his knee was 100%. Now, maybe Tom Coughlin didn't necessarily sign off on that or Cruz even playing in the preseason. But, you know, the uh, trajectory there for Cruz is looking good. And, and the fact that it's it's you know it was made clear today that his absence was completely unrelated to that knee issue is further evidence that there there's some separation being created from uh, between Cruz and that devastating injury that he's coming back from. I'm still not sold on him, um, you know, getting back to where he was at least initially, but there's a lot of good signs there. Marcus Mariota threw his first interception of camp on Tuesday night. That's 231 pass attempts without a pick. Does this matter to you whatsoever? Well, he, he threw a pick during the uh, the preseason game. Um, I mean, he's, he's generally known for taking pretty good care of, of the ball. I believe that was one of his calling cards in college. So it's worth noting that, that that's a tendency of his to, you know, not be careless with the ball. Um, Jameis Winston, the number one pick, went from being great, you know, two years ago to having um, decision-making issues last year, whereas... Mariotta had a, had a good season in that regard. Um, I mean, I think really we've we've spoken about him uh, in past uh, episodes of this podcast, but it's mostly um, you know his context. Uh, you know the the wideouts that he's dealing with. Uh, there's it's an interesting collection of of, of of receivers, but there's no like obvious stars. Uh, and I, I think that uh, I don't know the run the run game is going to try to. They're going to try to get going with the run game with Cobb, maybe Sankey. Um, I do like his long-term prospects, especially because he's got some mobility. But um, he's definitely a, a, a number two quarterback with a bit of upside as a rookie, in, in fantasy terms, that is. And you mentioned how well he takes care of the ball. Obviously, that was his main calling card at Oregon, just how efficient he was as a passer. A lot of that has been chalked up to kind of the wide-open system that he ran there um, and, and you know just not having to make challenging throws. Does it worry you at all you know, with him coming now to the professional level where those windows aren't going to be nearly as huge as they were while he was at Oregon that you know, even if he is you know, still focusing on taking care of the ball, not making ill-advised throws, is that maybe going to lead to more sacks, more pressure situations where you just kind of need to take a little bit more of a chance? Well, I mean, I think that's why people have been focusing on his, his lack of interceptions in, in practice is that it's carried over, but it's, that's practice, and uh, he, he's not getting – He's getting the, uh, the 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 friendly pass rush, so it remains to be seen. But uh, there there is some good signs uh, with regard to his his potential, you know, even short term. Uh, in long term, obviously, there is plenty of upside. 
Yeah, and it's certainly not a bad thing. I don't mean to suggest that it's you know a bad thing that he's gone so long without throwing a pick in camp. Um, you know, it's just something where you see a Titans team that doesn't have a lot of weapons, like you said, and you know if Mariota's back there, worrying about not throwing picks, holding on to the ball too long, that could lead to even more problems. But you know, we've only seen him in one preseason game so far, so we'll probably have to wait until the regular season to see if that really becomes a problem. Yeah, I think he just needs to get to be uh, you know good, get a good rapport with guys like Kendall Wright and. And Delaney Walker, the tight end, and he'll have some decent, um, you know, short short range intermediate passing targets to go for. It's it's the the Justin Hunters, uh, Green Beckham, Hakeem Nicks wild cards that uh, you know that Harry Douglas that that really that all needs to shake out. Darren McFadden, the guy we touched on briefly earlier. Yeah, we make fun of him just about every week. We do. Seems. I think we got that in already. Um, he looked good at practice Tuesday night. Um, does this mean anything to you as far as that Dallas running back uh, race for the well, number one the, uh, spot is concerned? Our Darren McFadden uh, hamstring cam is currently down, so we're just going to have <laughs> to take uh, take their word for it. Um, I mean, all things point to Joseph Randall as the guy, and Lance Dunbar maybe being worked in, in you know into the passing game, but there there is always that like excitement of what Darren McFadden could possibly do if he's not hurt. Um, and if he looks explosive, um, I'm still not like extremely optimistic that he is, is going to overtake Randall anytime soon, but as long as they don't overwork him, uh, in, uh, in the preseason, if something happens to Randall, things could get interesting on that front. Percy Harvin hopes to be ready for the Bills' third preseason game next Saturday against Pittsburgh. So it sounds like they've pretty much ruled him out already for the second preseason yeah, game. He's got that hip thing that just keeps on keeping on. And, you know, as exciting as Harvin can be when he's healthy, uh, given the context of the Bills' offense, another topic that we've touched on a lot lately, but that, that quarterback situation doesn't really favor Percy Harvin uh, come back in 2015. No, not at all. And it really is a shame that he just keeps being derailed. Obviously, you said that hip injury. He's dealt with migraine issues that have just kept one of the most dynamic players in the league off the field for so long. Yeah, now we're like trying to figure out who the next Percy Harvin right, is. Right, right, you know? exactly. TJ Yeldon's status is still up in the air for the Jaguars' second preseason game this weekend. Mike, I know you have your DVR set for that. Yeah, um, yeah pretty much. I, well, I did want to talk a little bit about this Jaguars running back situation. Yeldon, it sounds like, is going to be the starter. When healthy, he missed the first preseason game. Um, Denard Robinson and Toby Gerhardt split most of the carries in that one with Bernard Pierce getting a look as well. I actually went back and watched that game a couple days ago. I thought Toby Gerhardt looked good. Definitely the best that he's looked in a Jaguars uniform. And obviously it's a small yeah. sample size, and obviously it's the preseason, but at least I was encouraged by what I saw. I mean, the beat writers are... are have been encouraged by the way that that Gerhardt has been running and they're they're also they're telling us not to uh forget about Denard Robinson you know who came in last year and you know performed capably at times um you know you you automatically assume that Robinson is kind of relegated to the sort of change of pace role with Yeldon on board and I I would tend to agree with that but I look at that list of players and suddenly um, I'm not laughing as hard as I, I used to about at least one aspect of the Jaguars um, the team. I mean, I mean uh, Bernard Pierce, Pierce is even in that mix. I, I, I don't know where he fits in um, with, with all those guys, but it's actually not a – it has some depth and some talent. And it's also worth noting that Denard Robinson got a look as a kick returner in that first preseason game. Just one return, but 34 yards there. So you know, even if he ha- does end up losing a, quite a bit of his workload to Yeldon, Gerhardt, whoever else, he might be of use on special teams. So 
you know, he's a guy that you obviously don't want to roster as one of your top running backs. But if you have to have him on the roster, he does maybe offer a little bit of extra value as a special teamer. That said, we don't really know where the Jags are going to go at this point. They had four different players return kicks, two different players return punts, including rookie Rashad Green, who had a 37-yard return. So even if he doesn't become a big factor, you know, as a part of that receiving core, he might also be of help on special teams. Yeah, I mean, actually the key there is that as long as they establish a solid running game, and I, I, I look at those names, and um, Yeldon is the only one who really carries much uh, fantasy interest. But uh, if that is, is a, a part of their offense that works, then obviously that helps Blake Bortles in his second year and every, everyone around him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll talk about a NFCC Rotowire Online Championship draft that you took part in earlier this week. But first, football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. All right, so like I said, Mike, you took part in an NFCC ROTOWIRE online championship draft on Monday. Um, do you just want to give me a little bit of background as far as you know what, what goes on in these NFCC drafts, what they're all about, um, and then just a little bit about the format? Well, there's, there's a decent buy-in, and there is, there is a nice little prize structure there. But, uh, it's, and, and that's worth mentioning because it's, it's, it's people that are, are rather serious about it. And um, it, was a pre- it was a pretty good draft, and it kind of gave me a pulse on what people were, uh, were thinking about um, you know, at the stage of training camp and, and the preseason. Um, it was a PPR league, and it was also a third-round reversal. And um, the, P- the PPR element of it led to eight wideouts being taken in the first round, and Antonio Brown went second overall. And that's not something you're, you're going to see in standard leagues, obviously. The third-round reversal is kind of an interesting uh, concept. Uh, essentially, you know, in the traditional snake draft, it, it goes 1-12, one, one to 12, 12 to 1 and it just keeps on rolling over like that but in the uh, third round reversal um it flips to uh number 12 um it 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 flips 12 to is it becomes one and vice versa and it stays that way for the rest of the draft it's 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 a it's an interesting uh technique trying trying to like create a more level playing field you know based on the perception that uh the one and two maybe the three picks were traditionally viewed as the, uh, the the picks where you would get the most value there, and they're they're just trying to level the playing field. So, with that in mind, uh, you were you were permitted to request your uh, your drafting slot, and that was a uh, you know that was kind of a I tried to crunch some numbers there, and um, I, I I decided I liked one, two, twelve, eight, five, and four in that order, and I ended up with four. So uh, we can talk a little bit about my draft, but um, you know uh, it, it was. Uh, it was interesting to see eight eight wideouts fly off the board. I ended up uh, with the number four pick, like I said, and I took Adrian Peterson, who went after Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Browns, and Julio Jones. And uh, kind of the reason I took Peterson was because I was hoping that Brown might fall to me in that format, but then uh, I was kind of like sitting there trying to figure out, you know, Beckham, Bryant, um, even Demarius Thomas, and I couldn't really pick off on the fly which uh, receiver I wanted there. So I went with kind of the safe pick in Pe- Peterson. 
and um, followed it up with uh, Matt Forte in the second round, which is kind of an interesting thing that Forte would do would fall to the second round in a PPR draft. You know, when you look at his his stats from last year, 102 catches, 130 targets. So obviously, there's a there's a perception that the uh, the changing of the guard in Chicago, you know, coaching coaching staff wise and offensive scheme wise, is going to really uh, you know be a big hit on Forte's. Uh, you know, production in PPR leagues but you know I don't think he's going to completely fall off the map and uh yeah it was interesting to see him slide that far so like you said you took Adrian Peterson fourth overall Jamal Charles went sixth and the next running back excuse me off the board was Eddie Lacy at eight did you really consider Charles or Lacy or was was it really Peterson all the way once you saw Antonio Brown off the board you know prior to the the draft I kind of knew that it might come down if I was going to take a running back in that slot it would probably be between Charles and Peterson and, um, I mean, there's plenty of unknowns with Peterson, you know, given that he hasn't really played um, since week, you know, the first week of last year. But uh, Jamal Charles, um, I do worry a little bit about, you know, the potential for injury. Um, that's not the most dynamic offense, you know, even though it runs through him. Uh, I just feel like Peterson has a chance to put up some some big numbers. And uh, wh- whether or not he catches a lot of passes, um, that, that remains to be seen. But I just feel like health-wise, he's, he's probably got a lot more going than uh, Charles there. One thing I found interesting, and not just in this NFCC draft, but in drafts kind of overall in the ADP data that I've been looking at, is Calvin Johnson is you know kind of fully established, I guess, as outside of the top three or four receivers in a lot of drafts. You know, I think Antonio Brown is pretty much the universal number one. There's a little bit of variance there, depending on who you ask. But you know, Julio Jones is up there, Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas. And then you have Calvin Johnson, who's now kind of in that second tier. And is, is the main reason for that just injuries, or has there really been that much of a decline in, in his effectiveness? I don't think there's been much of a decline. But, yeah, there was, it was highly annoying you know, to, own, to own him last year with the uh, fact that he missed a few games, was like playing at half speed and others. So if you believe that Calvin Johnson is fully healthy, then there's no reason that he can't be the top wideout. And um, I, I do find him to be a bit of a value pick. You're not going to get him, you know, <laughs> deep in the second round or anything like that. But, you know, last year, if you wanted him, I think he was, you know, top top five pick. And in PPR leagues, kind of playing the role of Antonio Brown this year. Um, in one of my big leagues, I, I, I chose him the first round. That was a little bit out of, out of character for me. But um, Johnson late in the first round, early in the second round, nice value, I think. Um I knew he wasn't coming back to me in this draft, but uh, Gronkowski lasted a little longer than I thought. Um, he he ended up being the fourth pick in the second round, and um, I think if I'd ended up with like maybe the number eight pick or something, some somewhere around there, uh, I would have gr- owned Gronkowski. But uh, alas, Forte uh, went to me in the second round, and then I took Edelman in the third round. You, you're probably going to accuse me of. Uh, you know, Patriots I'm going to keep my pick. mouth shut on this one. That was, you know, I went through and looked at your team when you sent me the the draft <laughs> earlier this week, and that was the first one I noticed. But I'm not surprised. But you know, PPR league, I believe he had 96 catches last year. Yep, yep. That's not bad. That is not bad. Were you surprised at all by Gronkowski going 16th? Uh, I know, I I guess I kind of expected him to maybe go a little bit higher, just because you know we've talked about the scarcity at the position and just yeah. how far above everyone else he is, especially with Jimmy Graham transitioning to a and new that's, offense. That's that's precisely why that I, I believe that he does merit a first round pick. Uh, I, I guess people have in the back of their mind that Gronkowski's had some nasty injuries in the past, but I really do feel that if he stays healthy this year, 
the owner that that gets him in a, in a season long league has a massive advantage uh, just by the fact that there's such a wide gap between even him and Jimmy Graham, and then after those two, um, you know, the next tier as we've discussed is probably more like uh, Kelsey and and uh, Greg Olson, and then after that. And you start looking at into the uh, you know Martellus Bennett type options. So it, it is a, a quick quick drop off, and um, you know Gronkowski sits alone at the top. Whereas there's a nice group of about ten receivers that are I'm not going to say interchangeable, but the the elite group of receivers is is ten ten deep or something like that. Uh, speaking of rookies, Melvin Gordon was another guy I wanted to talk about. He's down sixth pick in the fifth round. He went in this draft, 54th overall. Um, and he's below guys like Latavius Murray, Amir Abdullah, um, even Mark Ingram. Uh, the Abdullah one, I think, especially stands out to me just because we're not even sure what the timeshare is well, going to be You know there. what the funny thing about this is that uh, this draft was like just a couple couple days after preseason action. And I'm not saying necessarily that the owners overreacted to to those performances. However, Abdullah, anyone who watched that highlight, pretty much thinks he's the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joyke Bell has not returned to to, to practice yet. Um, he's supposed to soon, and and the word is is that he's not going to lose the job. But there is, in a, especially in a PPR league, where you know on a team where Reggie Bush has a uh, his departure has left a void in that regard. Um, there is some upside to, um, you know, the rookie Abdullah, but, uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, earlier drafts, I was seeing him going, going, you know, late second round, early third round, you know, he had, he had kind of a, I wouldn't say a rough first outing, uh, in the preseason. It was just kind of nondescript. He, he didn't really show much of the burst or decisiveness that he, that he showed, you know, in college, but, you know, a few, a small sample size, a few carries in his first game. I don't think it's cause to, uh, you know, have him plummet down the rankings. Um, right. So. Well, one thing I thought was interesting is looking at the NFCC ADP data, and, of course, that's always taking into account PPR leagues. Um, you know, and, and all drafts done on NF, excuse me, NFCC, um, Melvin Gordon's maximum pick, or the lowest he's gone, is 54th. So that, so that was this draft. And so this is really the latest we've seen him go. Like you said, it was right after the preseason game. So... I think a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction by owners there. I mean, he's been going as high as, you know, the early 30s. Um, his, his average ADP on NFCC uh, contest is 42.7. So basically, you know, the owner who picked him up here at 54 got him a full round ahead of where he's been going. Yeah, I mean, I think the contrarian, uh, you know, argument there is that Danny Woodhead is back in the mix and, and is going to catch a lot of passes in the Chargers offense. But still, you get a guy like Melvin Gordon, who's definitely the number one guy, you know, the early down back and a solid offense in the fifth round, you got to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm pretty sure I just said NFCC like four times in a row when in fact it's NFFC. That's too, too many Fs in a row for me. That's um, So yeah, check out NFFC for ADP data. Uh, they're a partner of RotoWire, so be sure to check out all the content they provide. Anybody else you want to look at from this list? I know we got to run here. Yeah, well, there's there's some things here that I noticed. Um, I mean, well, obviously I was, I was going to mention that... Uh, that um, Kelvin Benjamin went in the fourth round, actually a pick before I was going to snag him in this draft. So his, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of a bummer. I had him and Sammy Watkins queued up and I was ready to take either one of them. They went back to back in front of me and I kind of got left with uh, Jeremy Macklin on kind of a panic pick. And now, well, as 
I'm sorry that Benjamin got hurt, but I, I guess I'm glad I, that uh, I don't own him. But uh, I looked down the uh, the rankings here, and Funchess went in the 16th round. I mean, if this draft was like tonight, uh, he'd probably go up like you know five, six rounds. So uh, you know, one in, one injury really shakes things up. And uh, Cam Newton, uh, he was a nice value in this draft in the 10th round, but I think now some some people are going to be a little bit uh, nervous about taking him. Um, Brandon Marshall, sixth round. I mean, uh, the guy still can catch passes in a PPR league. That 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 strikes me as a, a decent value. Uh, the rookie uh, out of Philadelphia, Aguilar, he went in the sixth round, and as much as I like him, I, I thought, well, yeah, this is uh, this is another example of one great play in the preseason, kind of inflating his draft value. I was I was ready to like draft him, maybe in round eight, nine, as a kind of a upside play, but uh, you know. Um, got Jordan Matthews in that offense. I, I, I do see the upside, but I, I'm mentioning that as a, I feel like it was a reaction to his really strong performance in the first week of the preseason. And, and some of those uh, rookies, um, they're, uh, they're where they were selected in this draft seem to be influenced by that. Um, look, looking a little bit further down, Brady went in the 10th round, uh, even though there's a lot of talk that, uh, that, you know, the suspension could be vacated. Um, I looked down and um yeah, Jordan Reed, seventeenth round tight end. Um, after all the injuries that have hit the the Washington offense there, if that guy can stay healthy, he could he could easily move into the top five or six of tight ends. And I guess the last player I want to mention here is that well the last situation I want to mention here is that in the tenth round, uh David Cobb and Bishop Sankey went back to back and you know, I've been on the Cobb bandwagon from the get go, but there was a lot of like, oh, Sankey's going to keep the job type talk. But uh, I think that that's uh, kind of dissipating. And I think Cobb is going to be the guy that climbs up. If we have this talk next week, I bet you, you know, uh, his ADP is on the rise. One last guy I wanted to talk about is a rookie from Tennessee, Doriel Green Beckham. He and Percy Harvin both went back to back. Green Beckham as the final pick of the 13th round, 156 overall, and Harvin at 157th. And is Doriel Green Beckham kind of in that Percy Harvin category? Obviously, they're very different players, but in that category from a fantasy perspective where you're just kind of throwing a dart and saying, you know, if this guy's healthy, if this guy, you know, if everything goes really well in favor of what I want, this could end up being a huge sleeper pick. I actually like him as a a sleeper pick in in TD-heavy formats. This particular league that we're talking about is a a PPR league, and and I think that that in PPR formats, Kendall Wright's the uh, the guy you want to own on the, uh, the, uh, the Titans. But definitely, uh, I mean, Justin Hunter has, you know, some concerns there, um, you know, on and off the field. Harry Douglas, well, we'll see. Hakeem Nix. Um, obviously, Green Beckham is, is viewed as a guy with immense potential, a little bit, little bit raw, but he's big and talented. So I, I think he's more of a, you know, dynasty target and, and like I said, TD-heavy target, kind of a Martavis Bryant sort of his would be his ceiling as a rookie so you know definitely a guy to keep an eye on yeah definitely you know one of the the biggest character risks in the draft um but maybe the guy with the highest upside at the position and that's saying a lot just just how talented that guy is so um he's certainly a name to keep an eye on throughout the preseason uh do you have anything else here mike no i don't think so um i guess next week we'll uh maybe get into some some adp um you know, talk about some uh, guys that we think are going too high or too low. Um, 
I mean, it's obviously a topic that we that we have addressed on this podcast before, but I think after the second preseason game, we're going to see some more, you know, the the needle's going to be shifting a little bit, and uh, we'll want to talk about that. Exactly. All right, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. Also, be sure to check out rotowire.com free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Thanks again for listening. Jake and Clay will be back on the podcast Thursday. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com